Oh, does it look like I'm not ready? Three, two, one, clap. Three, two, one. There we go. Hey, I saw it on the sound thing. Yeah, I clipped mine. All right, welcome to This Might Be a Podcast. This is a special exclusive Patreon episode. This is part two of the State Songs exclusives. Um, Pretty much, yeah, almost exactly a year ago, mid-January, me and Spencer Parks covered tracks one through three. So we had Illinois, the Songs of the 50 States, and West Virginia. Today I have Adam Gorin, also known as Adam and his package, here to talk about the next three tracks, which is probably the strongest part of the record, which is South Carolina, Idaho, and Montana. Adam, thanks for being on again. Hey, thanks for wanting to have me on. Yeah, I am super excited, and we've got a big treat for the listeners when we get to the Montana section of this, uh, collaborating on a cover. This has been, like, the best thing. I mean, it was a long time working, because the summer just, I don't know, you know, things kind of slide to the side, and then you're like, oh, right, we were doing this thing. I totally, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you previously appeared on the episode See the Constellation, which uh, I just listened back to and is a really good episode about a really good song. And for people, the uninitiated um, to Animus Package, because your solo project has been defunct for quite a while now at this point, unfortunately, oh, since yeah. since you've been teaching. <laughs> and uh, do, you, do you teach... Um, just like one kind of uh, science class, or do you teach biology, chemistry, I physics? teach chemistry and physics. Um, a couple right. of levels of chemistry and uh, a level of physics. I was horrible at both of those. <laughs> it, I, hey, I, <laughs> I uh, see how good I am. I just, do you see how I just made, turned it around for you and just educated <laughs> you about all yeah. this? <laughs> teach me right now please i was i don't know my friends all my friends were in like the ap stuff and i was just like scraping by in the regular like normal kid science yeah. classes you know i mean I, I feel like it's important regardless of whether people consider themselves like science kids or whatever oh, yeah. that like that there's there are definitely levels and ways to approach it that are uh that sort of are sort of that sweet spot of like being challenging, but also, um, you know, not overwhelming for, you know, I think everyone should hopefully end up being scientifically literate after high school. Yeah, I think, I think I did all right. I, I, I liked chemistry a lot just because it's cool. Like, you know, it could be like mad scientist type stuff, you know, it feels like, you know, when your kid just like mixing shit together, like, that's interesting. I find, I mean, I love chemistry too, but I find physics to be much easier to make like accessible to kids. It's much, I think kids come in with a lot more sort of, uh, questions and interests about physics. They kind of experience it much 
more kind right. of directly. But that's if I like, punch if I punch my friend in the arm right. with this much force, yeah. <laughs> I think it was. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm forgetting, but isn't there tend to be more math involved with physics? I think that was the problem. I mean, I think like math is the sort of like way that we <clears throat> describe anything in terms of like translating everything that happened in the universe into numbers. But um, I think it depends. I think it depends on the route that one goes. I think one can use like pretty sure. conceptually driven physics stuff if that's sort of like the match for whoever's trying to learn about it um but yeah i guess traditionally there there's certainly math involved yeah i i mean i just i just you know struggled with math in general so that kind of just compounded itself when uh-huh. i got to yeah. physics you know but um though i did i think the one like a plus I got in a math class was in geometry. And I just, I think I just like, I'm a visual person. Like I'm pretty decent, like visual art stuff as well as music. So like my artistic brain, I think that kind of, you know, uh-huh. there were the numbers involved, but there was like the visual, like yeah. on paper, just like the shapes and stuff. And I mean, it also helped that the teacher there at our school was like the golden apple, like teacher of the year winner, uh-huh. like several times. <laughs> it was really, it is really good. How sort of like how much a teacher, I don't mean this to just praise us, but like not this teacher who is talking to you right now, but like <laughs> how a teacher can really, you know, really uh, kind of like turn how you feel about a subject and what you're learning about. It's amazing. Yeah. It was a really big deal for me to, to do so well in a math class after so many years. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Indec, I think was his name. Mr. He's Indec. probably long since retired. But my friend who played in bands with me for a long time actually ended up being a a, uh, a co-worker of his. He's my friend Victor, who's now a math teacher in the same suburban area of Chicago. So shout-outs to Victor, Victor Gonzalez. And Victor and Deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he was great. Uh, very fun personality, too. And s- let's get down to the nitty-gritty. What do you say? Let's do it. I want to know just kind of your history of the album in general, because when I talk to people um, who tend to focus on like the the duo era, like when I was listening back to, I'm talking about you know they might be giants, um, not Linnell, but the the duo era of the giants. Because I when we talked about what albums you preferred, you you were saying that you didn't like get as into John Henry and Factory Showroom. Um, which happens with a lot of people who got into him in the duo era, I think, where it's like that was like a kind of, you know, divisive point there in their their career, you know, going full band and the sound changed just, you know, organically because of that. But then this album came out in 99, which is like they are very, you know, solidly five years into the full band era, more, more like six years. Um, so what, you know, after having a couple of albums where you kind of cooled off on them a little bit as a fan, what convinced you to be like, oh, John Linnell's got a solo record. I'm going to check this out. Um, I think <clears throat> I think that a couple of things. First, there are some songs on John Henry and Factory Showroom that I think are totally brilliant. I think that like, oh, yeah, it just didn't it didn't grab me like the you know the ones that i had sort of been exposed to first i think um sure but uh i think probably what happened i was at a probably around the time in 1999 was like traveling a ton and i think i was playing music at that point and i think sort of like the routine of 
sort of touring was I tend to be compulsively early for most things. Um, I remember because I booked you at a show oh. in, in Davenport, Iowa. Yeah. And it was on the Redefining Music Tour. And did I arrive like before you booked the show? You and Harmar showed up and you're like, where can we get some Indian food? <laughs> <laughs> the routine was usually like, find the used record stores and, you know, go through the CDs and stuff and then locate the Indian food store that we're, <laughs> I guess they call these restaurants um, and eat food. <laughs> I'm going to go to the pre-made food store. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, reminds me of the show Metalocalypse that was on Adult Swim where they call the grocery store food libraries. Oh, nice. That is, <laughs> I don't want returned food. Um, no. no. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I think like that, and I think it was during that and that, you know, like, I mean, it, it you know, at that time, like uh, being able to just go through like the, and having the time to do it, to go through like the, you know, use CDs and get some. Oh, yeah. There's a great song by a guy named Jeffrey Lewis called LPs, which I should totally forward to you, which is, it's just, sure. I feel like it encapsulates this feeling of like going through and finding and being like, oh, I'll try that for, you know, $4.99. And, um, and I, I think that like probably when I had seen it, I was like, oh, that's John Linnell. That's, you know, they, and I have always felt like John Linnell's voice is. It's like one of those voices where it sounds totally like in tune and so crisp to me. And so mm-hmm. um, I just really, really love his voice. Um, and so I think I probably just bought it on a, um, you know, on a lark. Is that the right way to use that word? Sure. On a whim. On a, on a larky whim. Um, <laughs> and yeah. And I think I just bought it uh, from them. Yeah, I've got my my CD oh, right nice. here. My it soundtrack. actually just came out on vinyl for the first time oh. on Black Friday because that record store day now has like a Black Friday record okay. store day thing. So yeah, people around the uh, fan communities were going nuts all getting those. I think they may have only pressed like a thousand of them and they're all numbered. So like all the super fans, which I am one, but like I've got I've got it you know on CD and I have <clears throat> the coolest vinyl record in my entire collection they might be giants or otherwise have you seen this no that's awesome oh my god (laughs) and it's the montana song this is the montana single uh shaped like the united states and so the, the the song is 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 crammed into it's not the best sounding record because it's crammed into this small like Less than a seven-inch record area, right? Because I guess, and then it's work if the needle played on Florida and Maine, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then it's got. Have you ever heard Louisiana? It's a B-side, not on the main album. I don't think so. Yeah, it's it's online. You should check it out. Uh, but it's actually quite hard to get this record to play because it's I, so far I in. I believe that they probably just automatically uh, stops and goes. It back. wants to bounce back. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I got this, um, I actually didn't spend too much for it, but I got it just a couple years ago. I didn't get it when it first came out and, uh, I'm super excited about that. So they put out the whole album on vinyl for the first time. Okay. And yeah, people are losing their shit. 
which is super cool, which makes this episode even, you know, pretty timely because just a month ago, you know, people were all amped up on state songs again. It's a good one. It's so good. It's so good. And it's such an interesting album. And I think, you know, you know, people like to, you know, kind of, as the kids say, Stan, their favorite of the Johns. And I'm definitely a Linnell guy just because he, especially like on those early records, you know, he was like the pop guy. He yeah. still had weird songs and he'd sing in a weird voice sometimes, which he does plenty on this record. Uh-huh. Um but and I loved Flansburg stuff and you know the the duality of them is like what makes them great. But you know if I had to pick one at gunpoint, I would pick Linnell. I, I, and so yeah, and so I got this album immediately. It came out when I was two months into college. Okay. Yeah, over there in the Quad Cities, and I loved it immediately. Though I was kind of perplexed by the carousel organ parts. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, not that the Giants didn't, like, prepare me for weird stuff, like the Edison Laboratory stuff and all that, you know. They they like their old-timey uh, references and things. What did you think when you first heard it? Like, you put on the record and Illinois comes on, and it's that funny merry-go-round sound. You know, I think I was, I think I, I it wasn't. Like you had said, I feel like the the context that had sort of already been given for things like that, yeah. um, you know, it is not as much of uh, the hook that the whatever number of minutes of like just ambient carnival mu- noise is at the very end of the record. That one is really the hit, but uh, yeah, and, uh, the marching band stuff, right? Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. I was, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I was used to kind of. Whatever, and I feel like they, a lot of the weird stuff that they had always done thus far was like, I thought well paced that it it didn't feel like it drag like it, right. my attention span was never like tested. So I that was I, and then I think just going into the the, you know, songs of fifty states. It's, I, yeah, it's great. Oh man, yeah, the theme song is great. And on that episode with Spencer, I covered that song live on air. Like I had my. Uh, electric guitar mic'd up and i just sang it right in front of spencer there right. on the on the record and if you look at the chords for that it's like where it gets to the part where it's like no two alike and each connect by a golden thread it's like like there's a chord change like every quarter note right. essentially. Huh. <laughs> it's so hard yeah it's so hard and i screwed it all up but i think it's funny like on some of those parts i'm just like singing and then i'm like oops and then just keep going yeah <laughs> um and, and West Virginia is a good song too, but let's go ahead and get to the the meat of this episode here. Okay. And yeah, let's talk about um, South Carolina track four, which was supposed to be the single, but it was a little bit longer than Montana, and they couldn't fit it on the the USA shaped vinyl. So Montana became the single, but South Carolina was the intended single. I did not know that. Yeah, and it is... Montana, to me, seems like that's the hit, but... To me, too. But according to the wiki, if you go to the wiki, which I think I told you about... um, Did I tell you about how they have song rankings? They have, like, all their songs are ranked. You can vote if you log, if you register with the wiki. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, and South Carolina, and they've got the solo album songs, and, like, did you ever hear Flansburg's side project, Monopuff? No. Yeah, in the late 90s, he had another band called Monopuff that put out two albums. 
Um, because these guys apparently were just like, they had so much free time on their hands because <laughs> they might be giants or such a lazy band. I feel like there's a certain very, very small subset of humans that have some sort of like disease or defect where like they, and, and I don't mean defect like in a bag, <laughs> not nice, but like, um, that, that just like, I don't know. I don't understand how it works. Like, how the drive and somehow to continue to write, you know, what they, they have 800 million songs and yep. to have them be like, ah, I don't have enough. I need a side project to get to, you know, to outlet uh, these. Things. It's really, it's really amazing. Yeah. It's just like a compulsion to write songs yeah. and never not be writing songs. And I'm very jealous of their ability to do yeah, this. It's really unbelievable. And it's, it's pretty funny. The, um, well, they had said that, and there's there's a NPR interview that Linnell did, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be dropping in some clips of that as we go, because I had always wondered like, did they have some sort of rough patch between the Johns, or like, why did they feel the need to like take a break from each other, or or what? Right. It's not like, I mean, it's like you know, John Linnell's solo project is like death metal, and it's like, oh well, it's just not. They might be like these songs. I feel like could have very easily just been they might be giant songs. So I, I wonder that yeah. as well. Yeah, and I think they on occasion have played some of these songs oh, really? with They Might Be Giants, but I think it's a rare occasion. I, yeah, I don't know, maybe I should should see if I can find any videos of of that, but I think it's like extremely rare. But so on this interview, Linnell calls this a Ringo Walk project. I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. It's NPR's All Things Considered. I'm Linda Wertheimer. And I'm Noah Adams. We quote now from publicity material that accompanies a new CD from John Linnell. John Linnell, one half of the conspicuous rock duo with John Flansburg, They Might Be Giants, has created his first solo album. Find out why critics are already hailing state songs as an album that's as big as all outdoors and all over the map. End quotation. To be precise, Mr. Linnell has written 15 state songs, there may be another CD later. To be even more precise, these are not even songs about states. You're working here without Mr. Flansburg, your partner. That's right. And you call this sort of a Ringo, a Ringo walk project. That's a term that we've really been uh, beating to death recently. It, it refers to the part of the movie uh, Hard Day's Night where Ringo is walking around by himself and they're playing this boy. And it's a special Ringo moment in the movie where he doesn't need his friends and he just wants to walk around on his own. And John and I have realized that we, you know, that we all need those times. And, and did you, have you played this for him? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he really liked this record. Well, that's not what... <laughs> <laughs> That's not what you said in the liner notes. <laughs> I can't remember what I can't remember what I said. What do you, why don't you tell me what I said, and then I'll try and <clears throat> try and. Uh... You said, as Mr. Flansburg said when I played in the recordings, this doesn't sound like anything else. Oh, that's right. He meant it as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, and it's not that they were inactive. I mean, this came out in October of '99, and They Might Be Giants had put out Long Tall Weekend in '99 as well. So there was uh, Linnell put out two records that year. Amazing. I bet they are super, super nice people. Oh, he, <laughs> he says, because uh, he started writing these songs in the late 80s, apparently, and then there was a um, an EP that came out in 1994, the State Songs EP, which was five of these songs uh, 
from re- really the the ones that made it onto the album were the same recordings with different mixes and there was some stuff he added to them some additional layers on there like i'm going to play the ep version of south carolina and see if we can tell the difference in the mix okay um but he said this little quote first here i'll read this in the publicity stuff He said, I decided to start writing songs with the name of the States as a way of avoiding having to come up with song titles. (laughs) (laughs) I decided to start writing songs with the names of the States as a way of avoiding having to come up with song titles. I had suddenly had 50 song titles and I could write 50 songs based on that. And this is always one of my problems with writing lyrics is I'm just so lazy. I don't want to have to think up all the words and what the song means exactly. So you don't want logic to interfere with it. Exactly. It's just a way to create more music without having to get bogged down in verbal ideas. I would agree. They seem like very lazy, unproductive people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Uh, one other reason I was interested in writing state anthems is because I like the style they usually employ in state anthems. Sort of archaic and kind of square. <laughs> like in state, like real state songs. I don't think that the songs are liable to be adopted as the state anthems of the of the actual states, uh, sadly. I mean, I was thinking initially that, you know, that might be a nice thing, but thinking about it, I think songs like Oregon is bad probably are not going to go down very well in Oregon. (laughs) That's funny. You're probably right there. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, my friend actually, eight eight minutes before we were scheduled to make this call, sent me the EP version, because this is a very rare EP, and no one's uploaded it to YouTube, which is surprising, because everything's on YouTube. So I'm going to have to actually put an mp3 here i think i could well, i could either email to you let me see if it'll let me drop it right in the chat here and this will actually be my first time listening to this as well uh here we go and then we can tell you know we are both guys who have recorded and okay i'm gonna have to email it. um and are familiar with production stuff and so we'll see if our ear can tell a All difference because right. even the wiki's like there's some differences, but it doesn't really get into it. So here we go. Not have not, it sounds brighter and crisper, but I would not have if 
You had said, we are listening to the record, I would say. Oh, we are listening to the record. I think I noticed something different in the chorus. It sounds like there's additional horns, or maybe they're just mixed louder. Mm. Or they they could be a keyboard that has kind of a brassy quality in the background. And... I'm, you know, I'm just very quickly gonna listen to, just cue up that chorus there on the album version and see if that, or if I'm just imagining things or I'm listening to it on better headphones. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like rarely these days do I like when I'm listening to music. I'm usually definitely present and listening to it, but also listening to you know, or doing something else. So I think, right. so I, I don't know if it's, uh, doesn't feel like a good controlled science experiment. If, uh... Okay. No, I think I was imagining things cause that I can definitely hear that stuff in the chorus now. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah. I was just really honing in on it more. And I'm like, I heard something I didn't hear before. I don't know. It's so minute. It, it sounds like on some of the other ones, uh, yeah, like I said, there might be an additional synth he put in, or, you know, something else that ended up, you know, he was like, by five years later, when he was finally putting out the album, he's like, oh, I'm going to put uh, an extra saxophone solo on the end of Oregon, uh-huh. apparently. You know. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on South Carolina as a song? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's a, a great song. I, and I think I may have mentioned this in the, the previous time we chatted, that um, I tend to... Sort of like lyrically, I generally really like uh, "They Might Be Giants" because I feel like I'm not so good at um, sort of like picking up things that are not particularly literal. So, right. um, yeah, you know, in yeah, we, lyrics, we did talk about this. Yeah, don't even know what the heck is being, and so like I feel like in this song, it feels good that I'm like, oh, I mean, I guess it's. Not that impressive to be like, oh, he's talking about a bicycle crash. I mean, he right. just say, uh, crash my bicycle. So, um, so you know, I, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think the it's catchy. Um, I like, I like the, and I don't, I, I guess this predated all the alphabet uh, record, right? That came out much later. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and. Um, but I like like the letters that what he says something about like his the 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 O becoming a D or something the wheel I got right. talking about I think that's neat um, yeah <laughs> right yeah. it's not really about the letter D it's about some weird thing <laughs> oh, it's like about the the wheel being dented and now being oh yeah 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 oh, right right yes, right yes yes so mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah so. Oh, I kind of got uh, on a tangent here. I was telling you about the um, the wiki song rankings. Mm-hmm. The these songs, the Monopuff and the solo albums, are also included on the wiki, uh, just as like part of the They Might Be Giants canon, you know, and rightfully so, I'd say. So they're mixed in with all the They Might Be Giants songs, so you can score them against like the proper band songs, South Carolina. Ranked against all They Might Be Giants related material, 21 out of 910. Wow. Uh, Montana, which I think we both prefer slightly over that, is at 53. Mm. So a little little lower, but still incredibly high yeah. in the 910 
songs you can vote on. Right. And yeah. So the average score there of South Carolina, 119 wiki users have voted on it. 9.08 is the average score. And then Montana, the average score, where'd it go? Uh, I lost it. Montana, 8.99. So they're really not that far apart as far as the average. Now, where's Idaho at? Um, Because we were talking ahead of time, and you're like, I'm not that crazy about Idaho. And it's not my favorite song either. Um, When we get to there, I think it serves a purpose. And I found out a story that I think you're going to like that made me appreciate the song more. Yeah. Uh, Let's see where Idaho ranked just while we're talking about it. Let's see. So imagine it'll be quite a bit lower. It ranks 269 out of 910. So way further down. Uh, so I think people are in agreement so, with us on that the, one. In the grand scheme of, you know, over 900 songs, that's, uh, you know, on a not actually even They Might Be Giants uh, album, although maybe it only has one rating and someone was able to rate it to the nearest hundredth of a point. Uh, only 31 people scored oh. Idaho. I think people tend to get on here and give tens to the songs they really like and then not bother ranking the songs that they don't right, like. Right. Unless, unless they really don't like it and then it tips the scales the other way. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is kind of fun to do that. And it is kind of arbitrary and whatever. You know, you don't need to give too much weight to it. But us musician nerds, we like to rank things and yeah. list, make lists. And these are my favorite records of the year. Yeah, and yeah, totally. other people I are like... I love this part of the year. <laughs> Like one of my winter break rituals is like going back through and like all the lists of that people make of, oh, these are the best, you know, metal records of this year and going through yeah. and amassing them in collection is, uh, is, is a nice ritual. Yeah, I'd for years made CD compilations of my favorite stuff for the year because I've written for, for punknews.org since... Uh-huh since college since 2002 and i don't do as many written things but like this podcast is hosted by punk news and you know as cds went out of favor i would just do like spotify playlists or like a download you know zip i'd send to my friends but uh but they yeah they always really appreciated that because they were as they got older they weren't like searching out new stuff as much as i would and i'm just compulsive about it the way I do it now is I have a Spotify, like a running playlist throughout the year. I had a Spotify playlist just labeled 2019. Mm-hmm. And as I heard something I liked, an album I liked, I just drag one of the songs into the playlist so I wouldn't forget about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm currently uh, ordering my favorite uh, uh, albums of the right. year. And we, should, we shouldn't get on this tangent, but maybe later yeah. we can talk about just, what our yeah, favorite things are. Forever. So, yeah. <laughs> Not during this recording. Because right. <laughs> that'll be a whole thing. Uh, so, uh, South Carolina, the lyrics, um, and yeah, the, the, like the, the bicycle wreck thing I think is great in itself because Linnell is obsessed with death <laughs> and, uh, people getting seriously injured. <laughs> yeah, I, feel like, I feel like it's, it's very interesting. I think someone described like, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the band Pinback, um, yeah. but that like their songs for whatever reason like to me feels so sad like i love them they're beautiful songs and really pretty the songs sound so sad and but people have always said like oh their lyrics are actually somewhat silly at at times and that's rob rob crow's band right yeah 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 um yeah and like 
it's like almost like the flip side of 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 it for John Monell. You know, the songs sound so playful, and sometimes they are really like dark and weird, and, uh, <laughs> and it's great. Yeah, there's plenty of songs about car crashes and people dying. Yeah. Like, I have something to compare to Montana when we get to that. But, like, there's songs like My Man on Mink Car. Not sure how familiar you are with Mink Car. It's basically about a guy with a spinal injury um, and how the brain is trying to control his man being the body, but, like, the arms won't listen to the brain. And it's, like, very, um, you know, it's worded in that, yeah, in the John Linnell way. It's worded in a way that doesn't seem so depressing, but then when you think about it, you're like, "This guy's paralyzed." Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, well. holy cow! <laughs> How did you make that sound fun and singable? Uh-huh. <laughs> so, in in so the the bike rack part is 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 made clear, but then I think the maybe maybe you wouldn't call it subtext, but like it, it's talking about. Um, then you get this the section. Lift that fork, eat that snail. Uh-huh. Garçon summon up a new cocktail. We're talking about someone who I think is, and I, I just thought that was just like for the longest time, especially back when I was you know eighteen or whatever, first hearing it. I'm like, that's a random little thing to throw into the song about a bike wreck. But then, just as I was thinking about it, especially in preparation for this episode, um, that it's a guy who either is already wealthy, you know, he's at a restaurant that has snails and and someone you call a garçon yeah. <laughs> and, or um, it's a guy who is recently rich because he sued someone right. for hitting them on his bike. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And he talks about the, something, the damages being punitive or something. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when I probably first heard the song, um, I probably, I'm not sure what the way to describe it is, but I feel like, Similar to my deep knowing of all the sounds on the first Clash record and all of the syllable sounds, but not knowing most of what the words are. I think probably for that part, it seemed to me at that time like as like no actual words, but I knew the sounds very well. So what he was actually saying for quite some time. So that's the end of the free portion of this episode. I gave you all a pretty good chunk. It was hard to find a good stopping point here because Adam and I weren't even done with talking about South Carolina. So if you'd like to hear us talk about Idaho and the amazing Montana, please go to patreon.com slash this might be a podcast to uh, subscribe and throw me a little change for all the work I do for this show, putting out all the weekly episodes. And you can get a ton of exclusives, including the ones with uh, Danny about his history as a bassist and joining uh, the uh, band and the Red Pants band and Marty's uh, lengthy episode about becoming a drummer and joining the MIP Giants, including a lot of other cool exclusives. I'm going to try to have one up every month uh, this year. Plus, we also have merch, stickers, and buttons already that you will get for joining. And we're going to be doing T-shirts. I might make them available for non-patrons, but 
When you donate $20, whether all at once or over a period of time, you will get a This Might Be a Podcast t-shirt. So, to hear the rest of this two-hour episode, uh, again, that's patreon.com slash this might be a podcast. And uh, for now, I, I really want you all to hear this cover of Montana that Adam and I did. So, even though this isn't anywhere close to the Montana segment, I am going to drop this cover in because I'm... So, so happy with how it came out. So I want you all to hear it. So uh, thanks again for listening. Head to the Patreon. And uh, for now, here's uh, the end of this teaser episode. And here's our cover of Montana. You can also stream or download this cover for free at thismightbeapodcast.bandcamp.com. So go uh, grab it so you can listen to it a million times because uh it's that good <laughs> check it what are you staring Right away when 